What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody. This is Car Stuff. My name is Ben Bolin, and who are you, sir? My name is Scott Benjamin. I'm the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And Ben, what's your uh, what's your title this week? Uh, today, I've actually been thinking about uh, change in careers midweek, which hmm. is unusual for me. Midweek, okay. Yeah, yeah. I have been uh, sticking to my consultancy gigs for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, time time wears on. I've I've had a great couple couple of days as a soda consultant, <laughs> and I'm thinking of moving into uh, I, I, if you can go with me on this, Scott. Thinking of moving into something I call creative entryway engineering. Creative entryway engineering. I want to okay. make doors, dude. Very nice, very nice. Are you uh particularly skilled in you know woodworking or uh, metalworking, anything like that? No, but I have a heck of a learning curve. Ah, okay. <laughs> all right, so this is <laughs> all brand new to you. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. this is relatively new. Well, you know, my whole life I've been in and out of doors. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of doors closed in your face, that kind of thing. This is the worst segue ever. Yeah, you guys, bad, this yeah. is uh, this is um, a great idea for a podcast, and we can say that without being arrogant because this was not our idea. No, no, not at all. This is a very good idea. It comes from a, actually a couple of listeners. Um, we've got two pieces of listener mail here. One is from Kurt, and Kurt is from Montana. Uh, Kurt says that I've listened to all your podcasts, enjoyed them all. I thought I'd send along an email and had some future with some future ideas. Um, diesel technology, history behind it. Another one that he wanted to know about mm-hmm. was the Mercedes-Benz 300SL that had gullwing doors. Uh, and it yes. says, this car always seems to be an icon uh, iconic car for Mercedes, um, so I'd like to hear more about it. And Kurt, that's a very good idea. Another one came from Mark. Same idea, but Mark had a different twist on it. He was writing in uh, in response to our top ten cars. Uh, uh, I think we was it sports cars, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it was just ten cars that we like. Yeah, I think <laughs> sports cars we like. I think. I, I think that was it. It was a pretty yeah. simple one for us to do, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Says I was hard at work, and your and your podcast on the top ten cars stopped me in my tracks, and I had to make my own list. <laughs> um, so he didn't think he was much of a classic car guy, but uh, a lot more turned up as dream cars as he went on. So mm-hmm. um, number one on the list, a 1955 Mercedes 300 SL Gullwing. 
It says, how can that be left off of any list? So we got listeners that are thinking about the Gullwing, and yeah. uh, what better time than now to talk about it? Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into it, shall we? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. All right. So we do know some basics. We know the Mercedes-Benz 300SL. First off, it, it, it's introduced or it comes out in 1954, right? No, a little early. Well, little 54 early? is the, 54 is the official, you know, here's the, here's the here's car the available for you date. to buy. Yeah. yeah. There was a 1952 competition only sports car that, uh, that was fielded by Mercedes. Yes. That's the, that's the only confusion that you get, but you're right, Ben. 1954 was the first time you could buy one of these things. And I, I think that was the, um, there was a little bit of a difference between that 1952 and 1954 model, wasn't there? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It's just it was based on the 54 was based on the 52 model. Um, okay. Like I said, it was a competition only car, so it was just mm-hmm. a all out you know race car. The funny thing is, I believe, um, and I, I you know I, I don't have the number in front of me right now, but the, I believe that the car that they released in 54 was like more of a high performance car than the 52. Yeah, was. there was a. Um, W194 is what they called it in Daimler Benz and uh I think it was carbureted it was yeah it was a carbureted uh, that's right result. it was a, it was a carbureted vehicle um in in the race vehicle in yeah, 1952 the race vehicle. um and later now this is this is kind of interesting fact about the uh the 1954 version I'm going to skip down my notes here uh, yeah. bear with me while I do this cuz it's it's later in my notes when I describe the car but um it it apparently was the first ever. Now this is one of those first ever things. So you got to. Sure. There's all these qualifiers that always come with these. Okay? There's, there's so many grains of salt. <laughs> That's right. So the first ever four-stroke equipped car with a direct injection engine, which is a gasoline engine. It wasn't a direct injection diesel. It was a direct injection okay. gas engine. Now that was the first four-stroke car that was ever equipped with that. So um, it, it means basically what that means. A direct injection means that it feels directed. Uh, injected directly into the cylinder rather than pre-mixed in the mm-hmm. intake and then injected. Or not injected, but rather just open, you know, the valve's open and it's, it's sent through. Um, but I don't know, it's, so it's not the first, it's also not the first fuel injected engine. Right. It right. was just, it, it, it just meets that one little criteria to make it, you know, to make its mark in history. It's really. got a sweet spot. Yeah. And you know what? More than that though, mm-hmm. this thing just, it has the look of, uh, Purebred sports car, really. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, look back, think about the cars that you were seeing in 1954. Mm-hmm. And then look at a picture of the 1954 Mercedes-Benz 300SL Gullwing. It's a different animal. It's, it's completely different. Um, you know, of course it had the two Gullwing doors that, you know, now infamous, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, that's very iconic, I guess, for that vehicle. You always see it with, you know, the, the windows, or rather the doors up. Right. Um, just because that's the way to show it off. Well, let's also, for anyone who, possibly doesn't know what mm-hmm. a gullwing door is oh yeah it's 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 a little bit different it's called a gullwing door because the hinge for these doors is at the top of the vehicle yeah it's on the roof mm-hmm. it's on the roof and so when you open it it opens up which gives it the appearance of a gull mid-flight that's right uh roughly yeah you know? and I'm not an ornithologist you know, one, one cool thing about that no okay we've seen other cars with this you know the sure. delorean has DeLorean's these. the biggest example There's, i'm sure that they're oh brickland we talked about yeah, the, brickland the brickland also yeah. um now 
and I'm sure that there are others out there. People do this kind of modification of their car. They also do the different types of doors, scissor doors, yeah, suicide, suicide doors. doors. But the cool thing about going doors is they require zero clearance on the side for uh, getting in and out of the car. Mm-hmm. When uh, well, I don't know if it's zero. It may be just a slight, slight clearance. But I mean, if you're it's not as much in a tight situation, yeah. it's pretty convenient to be able to lift the door straight up. Really, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of a cool design. And, and it's it's still it's still better uh, use of space, I think. Or yeah. if you're parking, than the conventional doors. Yeah, I agree. I Maybe agree. we should get some going doors, dude. Maybe. Maybe. I'm sure you could find some shop that would do it for you. You think so? I, I, you know what? I know you could. I know you could find somebody that would do it. Well, let's see. Let's let's see. Well, I'll think about it. All right. You know I'm bad with impulse. Let's, let's dive into the uh, the 300 what, the 300 SL here. Yes. Um, basically, it's a two-door, you know, we mentioned the doors, mm-hmm. uh, two-seat sports car. Um, at the time, it was the fastest production car. Um, so that gives you another clue that this thing was a different beast, like you said. Yes. This is a, or a different animal, however you put, mm-hmm. it, put it. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, this is, so this is the, the top end production car at the time. And, uh, I think even now the styling stands up. I mean, it's, it's oh, yeah. definitely something that I could still see on the roads around here. I it mean, translates. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's just good styling. The 300 in the name, it's mm-hmm. a 300SL, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the W198 designation, that was just in, in how it was uh, referred to inside. It, Internally, like, right? Yeah, exactly. Mercedes yeah. had numbers for their cars. They just, they still do this on car platforms. They have uh, letter number designations to uh, to designate you know, different programs for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 300 meant uh, simply that it had a three-liter displacement, and the SL stood for um, Sport Light, which meant um, it had aluminum pieces to it, Ben. Which is very interesting for a vehicle of that time. Yeah, it really is. I mean, because aluminum, I mean, of course, you're talking about cars that are made of iron and steel and heavy, yeah, heavy metals yeah. at the time. Um, this thing, it, it, you could get it with, actually, it came with an aluminum hood and aluminum trunk already. But if you wanted to, if you opted to, you could really make this thing a lot lighter by opting for a full aluminum body on it, which was remarkable at the, at the time. Um, you know, even now, that'd Incredibly be remarkable to do something like that. Too. It's very, very expensive, yeah. But um, but it did reduce the weight by about 175 pounds, Whoa. which is pretty significant. I don't yeah. know how much uh, – I have I have no figures for how much the aluminum hood and aluminum trunk actually lighten the vehicle. Mm-hmm. But if you want the full aluminum body, it lightened the car by 175. And that's crazy that it, uh, when you think about the advantages – that losing that much weight could bring to a performance vehicle, mm. which is already it's a small car, you know. Sure, and it's aerodynamic. They, this mm. is one of the cars that you know they they kind of first tinkered with aerodynamics, and mm. um, they were looking at things. You know, it, they were looking at a lot of different new technologies for this car. I mean, the, first the direct injection, then then the aerodynamics, um, the going doors, of course. There were, there was more to it than that, but um, mm-hmm. you know, this just quick overview of this thing. That's kind of what you're looking at is a, is a is a test bed really. Yes. Um, another test bed vehicle. We've talked about those in the past. Um, so, you know, this is, and this is also coming off of the success of the original 52 version that we talked about just a moment ago. Right. In um, the races. The, yeah. The race yeah. only vehicle because, um, it did have some wins. It had some significant wins. Right. It was, was it at Le Mans? It had a win at Le Mans, an overall win at Le Mans. So I think yeah. that's the top, you know, the, the top finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the class finisher, but the overall win. Yeah. Um, Nürburgring, one there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also raced in the, uh, Carrera Pan America, um, race, which is in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, you, yes. know, you, you probably will see more so associated with that race than this car. You'll see that, uh, Porsche Spider 
You know, oh. the one the one that looks like the James Dean yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll you'll see that car an awful lot associated with that race back in the fifties, uh, like fifty five era. But I guess in fifty two, you know, this car was running in the same race. Um, and then it also did well in a in something called a Mille Melia. Um, in 1952, where it, it got a, I think it's a second and fourth place finish. Um, so, you know, this thing, it was, it was the top production sports car of the day, of the day. I mean, top speed, our top fastest production sports car, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, it's racing against cars like Ferrari, Jaguar, um, you know, the big players of the day in a car that really, the, I think the horsepower in this thing was something like 175 horsepower. Yes, exactly. Which, Come on. I mean, it's incredible, but it was lightweight, it was aerodynamic, mm-hmm. and it had, um, I think it had some type of revolutionary new suspension set up. I mean, four-wheel independent, but yeah. something about that made it loose in the back end, I know. I've, I've heard from people or read about it. Um, but, you know, what's, what's strange is that, you know, this, this car kind of came out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. you know, this, this 52 version, mm-hmm. 1952 version. And I think it surprised a lot of the motoring world. I think, I think that's very safe to say because in addition to being a test bed vehicle with all sorts of new technologies mm-hmm. incorporated into one package, mm-hmm. the, the very strange thing and the, I would say even more unusual thing here is that it worked. You know, a lot of times when you have vehicles incorporating newer technology, it's buggy and it's spotty. And, yeah. you know, your GPS is telling you you need to take a left through a brick wall, right? <laughs> yeah, While right. your ABS is breaking randomly. That's Who right. knows? Yeah. But um, I think there's uh, there's definitely something to be said there about how well integrated all these new features are, including, you know, from the design to the mechanics of the uh, – Suspension that we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, to the architecture of the doors, even. I mean, the doors, you know, are the low hanging fruit. People are always going to talk about the doors. Um, but I think we should also talk about what happens to the 300 SL in the 50s. Ah, uh, yeah. The three, in the 50s, it, uh, unfortunately it went away. Um, it ended, what was it, 1957, I think, yeah, is right the, the, the final year. Very short run for such an awesome yeah, car. Yeah, and, you know, they had a Roadster version of this car, so they have a, you know, a, a top three edition, I guess you want to call it that, a Roadster. Yeah. And, uh, most people know what a Roadster is, but, mm-hmm. um, that lasted, uh, what, another six years, something like that, six or seven years? Yeah, right. And, that. and, uh, then that went away as well. But, uh, also, another beautiful car. I mean, those are great, but it didn't have the gull, the distinctive gull wings that we're right. talking about. Um, it did go away, and the thing about this is that mm-hmm. even though it had a relatively short run, I mean, actually a really short run, um, it is still today considered one of the, probably the most collectible Mercedes-Benz vehicles that are out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, for you know some of these examples of this thing, I don't know if you've you've looked around at all or not, or not about uh-huh. this, but um, some of them are you know five hundred thousand plus. Some of them are uh, you know seven hundred thousand plus. They're 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 very very expensive if they're mm. restored and well maintained. I, I read a, a quick paragraph from somebody that had ridden in a uh, in an unrestored version, and it was just a comment on some board somewhere. I don't remember mm-hmm. where it was, what it, what it was all about, but um, just the highlights of what the, the guy said was it was unrestored. So you got to remember that the driver told him, "I'm not going to go above 40 miles per hour because of uh, whatever this you know this sure. situation was. It was too loose at a certain speed or something uh, in its unrestored state." The guy said. 
if you have anything to say to me, say it right now because I'm not going to be able to hear you once we get up to speed <laughs> because it's so loud inside. I don't know if it was wind or if it was engine noise or a combination, but mm-hmm. um, and, he, and the guy said, despite all of that, he said it was probably the most exhilarating experience ever, and they never even went above 40 miles an hour. He wow. said it was just because you know the the nostalgia of the thing, uh-huh. the way that it felt on the road. He said it was just a it was just a pure sports car feeling. And, uh, you, you've probably felt that before when, you know, it's not, it's not like you're getting into a, a quiet environment, you know, where you seal yourself off in the world and you're, you're, you know, you no. don't feel the road beneath mm-hmm. you and it's, it's really, um, kind of a benign experience. You know, you just, you're sitting in a, in a car getting from A to B. This car, you feel the road, you, you hear the noises, you, you smell it, you know, you, you every, all of your senses are in, in play at this point. And the guy said it was just one of the, the most exhilarating things ever. Cause you cannot be, uh, detached. In a vehicle like that. No, and I mean, here's a guy, you know, he's used to, I don't know what his position was or what, but I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about. He's on a sports car forum talking about, you know, being in an unrestored Mercedes (laughs) Gold. Right. And, you know, this, this, you know, unassuming ride under 40 miles an hour, which he's probably thinking at the time, you know, that's not going to be any fun. Mm -hmm. Um, turns out to be the best ride of his life. I like that. I, I, you know what? I like that mentality. I should, I should probably be a little more open minded. Yeah. Now that I think yeah, about it, there's the, a moral. Did you just sneak a moral into our podcast? <laughs> I might have. <laughs> Someone I, has to. I'm totally a moral. Yeah. You know, I, I'm enabling you, <laughs> but we're not, um, it sounds like we're wrapping up, but we're, we're not you guys because there's something that happened. Uh, there's something that happened with the Mercedes 300. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Scott's giving me the go yeah, ahead. Sure. Please. You can't let a good thing die. No. And these six, oh, and we should also say that the, the success historically for this vehicle when it was first out in the fifties was, uh, mainly in the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. Something uh, which like, is a little unusual for Mercedes. Yeah, because, you know, they, here they, they come out with this Mercedes vehicle that's a sports car in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, kind of unusual at the time, but 80% of the production vehicles came here to the United States. Yes. Which I thought was really crazy. I mean, you'd think it'd be the opposite. You'd think 20% would make it here and 80% would stay in mm-hmm. Germany, but not but, the case. And you have to wonder if, if the vehicle was selling as well in Europe, uh, would they have closed it out? Well, see, they already had small sports cars going right. on over there. They had a lot of competition. Now, here in the United States, the, the weird thing about this is that if you remember back when, um, when we talked about, uh, the World War II podcast where we mm-hmm. talked about cars, you know, right around that era, um, you know, the soldiers that were coming back from Europe were bringing small sports cars back with them. They were bringing back Triumphs. They were bringing back MGs and, and Jaguars and, mm-hmm. you know, small two-seater sports cars from Europe. And uh, this was kind of the new thing. And now here's Mercedes with something that's right up everybody's alley, really, in 1955. So you're talking just mm-hmm. 10 years after the war or something like that, um, or even less. Yeah. Um, and something that's, you know, the top, the top, top uh, – um, fastest production car at the time. Here's one that's available for you to buy new from the factory. You don't have to worry about all the, uh, you know, you can buy it at the dealer down the road. And if you want to pay almost twice as much as you would have, they'll make the car from aluminum. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Twi- I, don't, I don't know yeah, how twice much. Twice as much, probably. Well, I wouldn't even want to guess what that would have cost. So the reason that we're, we're bringing this stuff up is because. Uh, for all of you kicking yourself because you can't collect an original 1950s Mercedes mm-hmm. 300. Da, da, da. There's a new one coming out. That's right. Yep. And it's, uh, it, it, 
let's see. The I don't know if you can you can't buy it yet, can you? Uh, you know what? I'm not even sure if you can because this is one that goes back and forth. Yeah. That uh, it, it, to date, no. They're calling it a 2011. So mm-hmm. when is it going to be available? It could be any day now, really. Yeah. Um, but it is it is badged as a t- or labeled as a 2011 model year Mercedes Benz mm-hmm. SLS AMG. Mm-hmm. That's the official name. And what's the AMG stand? I don't know what the AMG stands for. It's their sports car version. Like, uh, uh. like, um, you, you'll see AMG versions of Mercedes where, you know, like, let's say you'd gotcha. see a rough version of a Porsche or, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm comparing apples to apples or not, but, um, you know, it's like the, uh, the, the upper sports car type end sure. of, of Mercedes. And they um, say it's going to look like you can see photos and, and concepts they have. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's plenty of photos available because yeah. uh, Mercedes has actually sent out press releases and um, mm-hmm. there's some official word type stuff you know going on. So it's not just you know rumor and hearsay at this point. Right. It's not just me and Scott no, on the internet. No, no, no. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's happening. Um, yeah. Do you know anything about the? Uh, do you want to you want to hit him with some of the details or you? Want uh, me to? What do you want? Some stats or? What yeah, you, sure. What do you got? Okay. All right. Well, this this guy. You know, historically, one thing about the original um, SL was that it was considered relatively underpowered. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, at least the 52 version. Yeah. Um, this, this new one, uh, can hit zero to 60, or excuse me, zero to 62 mm-hmm. in, uh, less than four seconds. Whoa. 3.8. Oh, 62. That's, uh, 100 kilometers per hour. Right? Ah, yeah. That's yeah. why they do that's that. That's why they yeah. do it that a way. Nice round number. And, uh, it's, they say, I'm reading some reports. I've got, I've got this, uh, report in front of us that says the top speed is actually governed at 196. I believe that. Sure, for safety. They do that often. Yeah. I think mine's like way down at like, not that it's way down, but I think yeah. it's like 120 or something. 140 uh, maybe. Something. I don't know. It's a bummer. And all yeah. these, all these come, the new ones come with an aluminum space frame. Oh. Oh, wait, really? Also, yeah. it's light. You know what? That's, that's unusual because I got the weight in front of me here and that's mm. with the aluminum frame even. Uh, the weight for this thing. Now remember, this is two, two door, um, going, of course, two, yeah. uh, two seater sports car. 3,571 pounds, mm-hmm. which, uh, to me, that sounds a little bit heavy, but this is a pretty big car, really. Yeah. Um, I think it has a real long wheelbase. Um, not yes. that it's the same, now listen, not that it's the same size as the original, but it has the same proportions as like the original. the same scale. Exactly. It's the same scale vehicle, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's larger, much bigger vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that has a lot to do with, you know, just the, um, well, the size of the engine that's crammed in there, one, because it's got <laughs> yeah. a, it's got a huge V8 engine. It's a, it's an AMG 6.2 liter 32 valve V8. Um, you know what the horsepower is? You do, uh, dude, I, I've got it in my notes here. Um, no, you do it. You 563 do. horsepower in this thing. Versus 176? 175, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 for the, uh, the early 50s that's version. That's just wild. So, this thing is coming out, right? So you're an inventor, you're kicking your, or not an inventor, a car collector, excuse mm-hmm. me, and you're kicking yourself like, why didn't I buy one of those in the fifties when I should have? Yeah. And, uh, and now you can buy a new one. So your next question is, how much? What's the damage? Half the price of the one from 1950s. Oh man, it's like these guys are paying us to I talk know. about this car. They're not. Nobody's no, no, no. Us. I mean, it's, yeah. it's half the price. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, an estimate right now. And I'm sure yeah. it depends on how you outfit these things, but sure. around 200 to $250,000, which sounds like a heck of a lot, but you're talking about a supercar again. Right. And, uh, this is another, you know, one of those things where it's just, a, it's just weird how this happens that, you know, it's, it's half the price for 2011 that it is for a 1954 restored version, mm-hmm. uh, which will run you 500,000 or more. 
and good luck finding one. Yeah, good now, luck finding one. I got an odd little bit of note uh, of, of a note here. If yeah. you if you want to uh, lay it on know, me, brother, appease me here for a second. Have you ever heard of? <laughs> this is terrible. You should look at this online, really. Just okay. to, it might make you mad, though. All right. Um, have you ever heard of bathing ape? Bathing. Ape. It's a fashion. Uh, no. Bathing ape. Okay, there's a fashion designer, and I'm and I'm. His name is N I G O. He's from Japan. Okay. Is that Nigo? 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 Nigo. Uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. The guy, you know, worth untold millions of dollars, right? Sure. Starts buying up exotic sports cars, and uh, he's doing things that people think is kind of well sacrilegious, really. Uh, What's <laughs> to he them? He's he's. Coloring, he's, he's having them painted and modified and, mm. and adjusted the skins of them at least. I don't know about the interiors. I haven't seen the interior, but, um, like, just for example, he's got a Bugatti Veyron that's pink with a pink pattern on the inside, almost mm-hmm. like a camouflage type pattern, which makes sense when you think about this because he's also got a Rolls Royce Phantom that's outfitted in, is painted completely in that green camouflage, like, you know, the, the traditional camouflage <laughs> wow. that you can see. A Ferrari 599 GTB, which is brown camouflage. And he also has, and this is where it ties in, he has a Mercedes, and this is an original. Okay. A Mercedes-Benz 300 SL Gullwing in green camo. Well. And, no, no, wait, wait, wait. All right, I'm waiting. Get this. What? This is maybe the the worst part about this whole thing. and I'm just going to say this. This is my opinion. Okay. Mercedes-Benz did the restoration for him on this vehicle, and they painted the car in this green camouflage. I can't believe that they would do this for him. It, it just seems like they're, I mean, it's it's all, you know, he's paying for it. It's, yeah. it's all up to him. It's it's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. But to me, this is terrible. But it's made a statement. It's his car, too. Yeah. I just, you know, personally, well, okay. I wouldn't do it. Now, yeah, but you got to remember, this is the factory. This is their heritage. This is their, yeah. it's like a museum piece. Really? Well, Scott, they're not volunteers. They like money. I, I know. I know. They like money. I know. Who doesn't like money? But, um, my gosh, when you see this thing, when you see the green camo yeah, going. That's interesting. Take that's, a look. And I wonder why he decided. It caused it. an awful lot of outrage in the, in the collector community. I'm sure the forums have gone crazy. Uh, yes, it. that's exactly right. And I, I completely agree. I think mm-hmm. uh, what a, an awful looking car. <laughs> I, I mean, I would just say it. It's, I'll have it's to awful. look it up. Yeah. 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 And I, same for the the pink Veyron. I mean, terrible camouflage. Is such a yeah, weird and the Rolls Royce. You know what? All of them, all the ones I just listed, terrible. Now, Phantoms are, are very cars. They're very close to my heart, so I might skip that picture. And they're not very well hidden because you know they're just parked on the street. You still see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not he's like not, the car disappeared. He's not really trying to camouflage it. <laughs> he's either. not right. No, he's trying to make a statement. In fact, it's quite the opposite. How ironic, isn't it? Though. Perhaps that is sort of the bathing ape approach. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I guess, I guess we're so. wrapping up then. Um, yeah, I mean, that's so. A, oh, go ahead. I just I, I, that's about all I have. I just um, I, I thought we'd end on something that was a little bit more fun, but then it yeah. just ended up making me mad. No, it's okay, Scott. Um, I think Kurt and Mark will forgive us because hopefully we've answered uh, guys' questions or we've told you a little bit more about this just amazing car. Well, that's Scott, tip of the iceberg. Scott and I are really into this car, and mm-hmm. um. The new one is coming out, so I don't know if you guys are busy um, just counting your hundreds of thousands of dollars. But uh, 
Christmas gifts are always welcome. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's always uh, the mid-year holidays, too. You could go for a uh, you know, Memorial Day gift sure. or something like that if you want to pass it along to us here at HowStuffWorks.com or mm-hmm. uh, however you like. Yeah, you could, Columbus Day. You could also make a cash donation in the same amount, and I'll just buy the buy the car on my own. <laughs> yes. Whatever you like. Scott might actually go. To, you would actually go I'm get begging. nonprofit status. I'm begging, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm begging. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna head out of here before Scott Scott begs anymore. And uh, in the meantime, guys, um, thanks so much for tuning in. Let us know what you think on Facebook, on Twitter. If you want to learn more about vehicles, we've got the auto channel under HowStuffWorks.com. We've also got a blog, and you know what? We're gonna hook you up. If you'd rather talk to us directly, just send us an email at carstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.